Steve, uh, man, middle of uh, September, getting close to the end of September already, which is crazy, but just kind of wanted to hop on here and do a kind of a mid-September, mid-season update of what's been going on the last week or two. You've been hunting, I've been hunting, and uh, yeah, just kind of touch base stories. I just actually got back, so we've not we've talked somewhat offline, but not even a ton, but yeah, yeah get into things. Yeah, I have no idea on how your hunt went down. So you, you went hunting first. Let's, uh, yeah, how'd it go? You went, you started driving over to Colorado on a, the Sunday, right? From, yeah. From Missouri? Yeah, we were going into a unit that I've been in twice. Um, one of those two trips took a bull out of that unit. The other trip didn't fill a tag in that unit, but had a ton of uh, good encounters, good chances. Was it full draw? So, you know, for two trips into an over-the-counter unit and essentially filling a tag once and then the other trip not filling a tag but getting to full draw and having some opportunities, it's I was happy with that um, to get in there again. So, yeah, heading into that unit, we, we did pick a different spot as kind of our plan A. There's a, a drainage and a ridge system that I had seen both on, you know, Google Earthonics but also kind of glassed from afar that I was just super interested in. And uh, the more I looked at it online, the the better it looked. And so plan A was this new spot in this unit. Uh, and I don't want to say I was as like confident as ever, but I was probably as optimistic as ever um, going into new country that I hadn't put boots in. I was just so excited to get into the spot. And uh, access was tricky. Um, it was a little bit of a variable of, okay, I think we can do this, but we'll see when we get there type deal. And we got in there, we, we were planning on getting in there about four, three to four miles, um, kind of on this ridge system and setting up camp, and uh, we had a, a very good feel for what we thought elk were going to be doing and how they're going to be moving, so we wanted to get close, but not too close, if you will, for camp that first night, so we hiked in there, it was, uh, it was a hell of a hike, um, got up into that ridge where we were hoping to kind of set camp and sign just was not looking good at all. And so we thought, well, this isn't looking hot. Let's push closer to this specific area that we think the elk are going to be more concentrated in and using it. And as we got closer and closer to that, kind of like the prime area that we thought we were really going to be hunting and getting into elk, it didn't look good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like crap. So we went from, you know, planning on setting camp at this certain spot on this ridge three, four miles to then dumping down into the, what we thought was going to be the core hunting area. And it didn't look good. We just kept pushing, kept pushing. And we ended up doing like nine miles that first day before we even set camp. So what didn't look good to you? You're just not seeing sign or just the country? Yeah. Just didn't look good or both. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, I had always, I don't want to say always, I'd heard through the summer that Colorado was dry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously they've had some fires and things like that in the areas that we've hunted, um, in a few different units in this unit in particular, water hasn't been an issue. Um, and so I just didn't fully anticipate, okay, they've had a dry summer, but I know the country water's plentiful, blah, 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 blah. It was like stupid dry. Um, and so that was a big factor. Um, a lot of, well, almost everything that would show is a, quote unquote intermittent stream like on topo maps was just not even close to wet just bone bone dry um the country was dry vegetation was dry crunchy there wasn't good feed um i just honestly it completely overwhelmed me with how dry it was and so i think Mm. that was a big factor of like okay i'm not seeing enough water i'm not seeing enough good feed and obviously related to that i'm then not seeing sign and so we ended up pushing deeper towards a a lower end of a drainage system um, where there was, uh, you know, a a year round stream and what have you. But yeah, man, like spots that were um, like these little honey holes that I like to look at of like, okay, this, this little drainage is protected. It has good feed. It has water. There's probably gonna be wallows there, that type of thing. All that stuff was just bone dry. Um, so that was the biggest factor, uh, in my opinion, from what I saw was no sign, no water, no feed, which is obviously not a good combination. Yeah. Was um, your intent to go in and set up a base camp or were you planning on just being mobile anyways? Uh, we were flexible. Yeah. Like we were hunting pretty light. We went in that, um, that first push, we had four days of food with us. And so we, we were planning on, so, okay, we'll set camp here. Um, 
depending on what we get into the next morning, we were trying to be within uh, within range, right, without covering a bunch of distance of being in huntable country. So we weren't necessarily taking off that next morning with camp on our back, but we were planning on hunting close enough that we'd either come back, like we'll get into action, we'll hear bulls, we'll what have you, and we can either kind of stay stationed here or we'll just pick up and move on. So it was kind of that combination fly by the seat of your pants approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we ended up like nine, we, I wouldn't say nine miles deep, but we covered nine miles that day. Um, woke up the next morning, we were essentially into country already that I was thinking we either won't reach this part of this country or we're not going to quote unquote get there till like day three or four. Cause I was planning to be an elk, <laughs> you know, being an elk way before this point distance wise. Um, but the next day, long story short, we, um, we got into one bull, wasn't super fired up. He did, we did locate him just by kind of like a cold, um, cow call. Uh, I just kind of started quiet, got a little bit more aggressive and loud if, um, you know, just with the carrying of the sound and he fired off from, you know, it was in the timber. So it's always still hard for me to tell, but not within like super close striking distance. And I could tell by the way he responded, that he wasn't like, to me, it didn't sound like he's coming in. It was a pretty lazy response. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started trying to close the distance on him, making our best guess. Um, he did fire up one more time without us calling. So we're we're trying to not call at that point and just move in on him as long as he's going to give his location away. Um, you know, this is happening over a period of time, obviously. But we, we long story short, we got within 80 yards, um, closing the distance. I was, ju- we had just like kind of set up in a true calling shooter setup, um, hunting with my buddy Jared. And, uh, he winded us from about like 70 yards. It was just, it was still that, it was probably 10 30 in the morning. Um, and we were in dark timber on a north facing ridge. And it was just one of those situations where the winds were like still stabilizing, still a little bit sketchy. Um, and they were had you, been, yeah. Yeah. Were you it just dropping straight down on them or coming up from below or? Yeah. We were, we were side hilling, um, and slightly above him. So we had to, we had started to get some of those upward drafts of thermals, um, especially where there was more light, more warmth. But being in the dark timber, we'd also like run across this little, you know, drainage, and then it was falling there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just that tricky. It's like yeah. one of those things. Like maybe we should have been more patient. Um, but the winds, you know, as we were approaching, I would say with caution um, and looking at the wind the whole time, and they were mostly coming up. Um, and so, yeah, we were side hilling into him, but slightly above him to have that wind in our favor. Um, I dropped, so Jared, I put him out as the shooter, dropped him a bit lower, um, in case the bull, you know, tried to go on the upper end and wind him. And the, just, you know, the way we were kind of set up for that quote unquote arc, if you will, with me calling, mm-hmm. but that we just, there was like one gust that came through and the prevailing wind that day, aside from thermals was coming out of the West. And there's just like this one Western gust that just blew it. I mean, we were right there. And all of a sudden, you know how that goes when like a bull takes off in the timber, it's just a crash of chaos. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. So that was, that was fun action that day. And then the rest of the day, man, it was like quiet. So we're, we're on day two. Uh, we're in here. Signs not looking good in general. Even as we covered more ground, we continued to cover ground that day. And long story short, we're in here second day. And it's obviously that's early and that's quick. But at the same time, one bowl and not near the sign we wanted to be in. And so we just pulled the plug quick, which I think, you know, in years past, I probably wouldn't have pulled the plug that quick and I don't regret doing it. I think it's one of those things where I'm more confident now than in years past. Like, you know, you go back say four years ago, I would have stayed in there and been like, well, what if this, what if that, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't seen sign yet, but what if we go, you know, just a little bit further here and maybe we'll see sign there. And it was just one of those deals where I was like, screw this. Like there's not sign one bowl. I just, I wasn't happy staying in there. So mm-hmm. we ended up end of day two, making a um, heck of a hike out of there and up and over, down through the drainage, up and over the ridge and back out and got back to the truck late. So that was like in the first two days we had done almost 20 miles, gotten into one bowl, but just weren't seeing the sign we wanted. So 
plan B from there, man, which is, you know, we talk about all the time, like have multiple plans. We had this plan A spot. We were thinking a four day uh, trip in there and hopefully being an elk much quicker than that. But we were out of there within two quick days. Um, yeah, we, we moved to a different part of the unit, a unit, um, the part of the unit, I should say, we had a lot more experience with that we had been in that country. So, um, excited to get in there. This was the, not the first year that I've hunted Colorado during the muzzleloader season, but it is the first year I've hunted this unit during muzzleloader season. Um, and when we got into this new area, the area we had more experience with, I was pretty surprised at the amount of pressure from muzzleloaders. Um, and in other areas I've hunted during muzzleloader season, it's been, they're there, but they're not, I won't say they're not working too hard. They're not too much of a factor. They're easy to get away from, um, just by putting in a little bit of distance or creativity, if you want to call it that on where you're hunting. But we were going into spots that there were, there were, we were just running into muzzleloader hunters that I'm like, really? You're here? Um, <laughs> uh, it was surprising. And on our pack in into this new area, we passed mm, between like at the trailhead and then passing people coming out as we were packing in um, there. We passed three or four groups or talked to three or four groups and they were like, it's quiet in here. There's nothing in here. This sucks. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like all down. <laughs> <laughs> there was one guy at the trailhead who had just killed a bull the day prior. So I was like, well, that, that's a good sign. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was, too crazy crowded like exponentially oh my god but because of the muzzleloader pressure um and the archery hunters in there there was there was definitely plenty of people uh plenty of pressure um yeah so the same deal man we got this country's laid out a bit different than the other spot we were confident water wouldn't be as much of an issue and it wasn't as much of an issue but it was still much much drier than we had seen in any trip prior. Um, the last time we were in this country was actually 20, 2016. So I hadn't been out there in a handful of years. Um, you know, obviously things change, but just the conditions, just the dryness of the whole area, um, made it tough. So yeah, we, we spent a couple days in there. We hit like spots that we just, we had previous encounters. We had previous Intel. We knew where food, water, cover, wallows, like all that. We had enough Intel in this area that we really had a decent grasp on, um, what the elk, how the elk generally use this area. So we hit all the, all the prime stuff there. And it was, again, it was like kind of discouraging. So, you know, we essentially fast forwarding, we get to four or five days into the hunts, um, didn't have any more responses these last couple of days, any more encounters at all. So once again, we're like, all right, time to bail, time to go to plan C, uh, plan D. We, we had a, you know, a couple things on, on the radar of like, even in spots we don't have to pack into, but like quick stuff, we can day hunt or hunt from the truck, new country, um, little spots that people might overlook, um, just things like that, that we had as, you know, plans. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about hitting some of that. And I think it was day five of the hunt. We, we pack out, um, of the country. We're planning to go back to the truck and hitting some of these other spots and things like that and get to the truck. And there's a, a couple of guys there that were, uh, muzzleloader hunting and they were done. Um, we got to talking with them. We got back to the truck at, uh, like midday, early afternoon, something like that. And they're like, yeah, we're done. And so we get to talking to him. Well, how long, you know, have you guys been out here before? Blah, blah, blah. And this one guy was in his, uh, probably mid to late fifties. The other guy was in his probably mid forties. And that older guy was like, yeah, actually I've been hunting out here since 87. And so he got to telling stories and it was, you know, he was just one of those fun guys to talk to. He had a bunch of stories and, he was saying they used to start coming out there in the eighties. They bought an old Dodge school bus and just gutted it and built bunk beds. And, uh, there was like a group of six of them that would come out and that bus was so slow in the mountains. It would take them like 24 hours to get there, but they would just take turns driving and guys sleeping in the back. And it was the bus and they pulled a trailer of mules. Um, so it was just old school, like fun <laughs> stories to talk to them. And then, 
they were getting on the road so they ended up feeding us uh, a nice burger and a cold beer which was amazing on day five of the hunt um but anyway he uh he kind of told us after we talked to him for a bit he's like i know where the elk are at like right now and at first it was like one of those things like yeah whatever buddy Mm-hmm. Um, but then he started talking to us and telling us, uh, some different areas in this unit and how the elk use it and contrasting that to what people do. And it all made sense, man. Um, and so we weren't planning on doing this, but, uh, we took the dude's word. Like <laughs> he was telling us some info and, uh, I'm always cautious of that. Cause it's like, well, do you tell everybody? Right. But yeah, we'd been right. hanging out for a couple hours and I, I, he was genuine. I could tell he was genuine. And he even told us, he's like, I'm going home with an unfilled tag and I know where elk are at. And the only reason I'm telling you guys is you look young, younger and dumber than me. And I think you, you'd <laughs> go in there. Right. <laughs> Cause he was telling us what a hell hole it was. Um, but dude, sure enough, we, so they leave Jared and I look at each other. It wasn't our plan, but we look at each other and we're both like, we knew it's like, all right, let's pack up, go into this hell hole. And, uh, it was a heck of a hike, um, to get in this different area. Uh, terrible, like just terrible. Like you get a few miles in and it's not bad, but then there's this whole, part of the country that's just terrible blowdown and as some guys have probably heard like oh what is it like labor day i think it's right after labor day or right at labor day weekend there's a massive storm in colorado um they had i think like 80 plus mile hour winds in a bunch of areas and so there was like even the main trailhead um which we didn't always use but there is a main trailhead that goes one direction out of this area it had been cleared for season, but it was like impassable by horses, like not even close because of that recent storm. And so anyway, long story short, Jared and I got completely hammered by deadfall and a terrible area and finally pushed through. And this guy was spot on like the last day and a half of the hunt. Um, based on his tip, like we got into elk and wasn't pressured um the elk were just free to do their thing it was multiple bulls a herd of cows bulls were fired up like it was it was everything you want right Mm -hmm. and uh we kind of started that like once we were in the area we started a little bit cautious just to kind of observe because they were bugling on their own and everything else and so we didn't want to go in there and just like bust things up um, and maybe we could have been more aggressive, but again, depending on because of the country, um, and breaking through some of it to where they were, it was difficult to move. And <clears throat> we were hoping to basically, we, we had spotted them from a distance, but then because of their bugles, we were hoping, and we've used this strategy before. And it's honestly my preferred way to hunt bulls is if they're bugling in the morning, like just let them go. Um, listen to them see where they're moving for their bedding area and then it can get to later morning or midday and then you can kind of make your play in there right like you can sneak in on them so that's what we were going for that's what we did um you know we closed the distance and um had some calls um unfortunately we called a cow in and not a bull and um we had good action but long story short man it in the end we found the elk too late in the trip and we just flat out ran out of time. Like I, if we had another day or two to hunt in that location, um, once we got on that herd and those bulls, I'm like, I'm not saying a hundred percent we would have killed an elk, but I'm like a hundred percent confident we would have been in bow range and created some sort of opportunity, whether you get a clear shot or what have you, you know, that's, you can't control that necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like, man, I was so jonesing <laughs> for two more days. Um, but by that time it was the end of the trip and Jared so, had to get back to work. And I would say that I had to hopefully get back to work, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I was going to fire you last week when I was covering your job and mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were hunting, what were you, covering country a lot so it sounds like maybe you were kind of bouncing your tactics around a a little bit as far as yeah you know being super super patient and then maybe one day covering more country 
Yeah. Or did you, were you kind of consistent in how you're approaching each day when you're out there? No, it did vary. And I mean, for me that that's based off of the type of sign we're seeing. Right. So if I feel like I'm in a spot where I'm in sign and I'm in or near elk, I'm game to like slow down to cold call to do all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but like those first days, a good example, I was hoping to put ourselves in that situation. Um, but if I'm not seeing sign, I'm just, I'm going to keep moving. Um, right. So if I'm not either seeing the sign I want or hearing something to chase, I'm just going to cover ground. So, I mean, we probably ended up covering, um, more ground this trip than maybe any other trip prior. Um, like from what Jared's app or whatever was tracking, we're at like 65 plus miles and, um, like six and a half days of hunting. Um, so okay, yeah, you're covering country. Yeah. yeah. So and and I don't say that as like, oh, we did 60 plus miles. I don't want to do that, right? Like no, I would yeah, much rather yeah. be an elk, but that's what it took to to you know, if I'm not in sign or here in something, I'm going to keep moving, right? And unfortunately, it was just one of those situations where despite both e-scouting and prior intel on an area, like even in the country that we knew you know, that our onyx is full of points on and, you know, wallows and water and feed and bed. And like, I mean, this area is blown up with experience that we have in there, but this year in these conditions, those spots weren't good. Right. So we'd go check out that area. And again, if all the sign in there's, you know, five days old or whatever, I'm just going to keep cruising. I'm not going to like sit there if there's no sign. So it was a combination. Once, once we got into that country where the elk were, you know, we slow down, we're not running around, we're not just chasing after him or screaming at him. Like I'm, I was trying to let things play out and then, you know, hunt smart. Right. But up until that point, unfortunately, in the first call it the five days of the trip, like we were just killing ourselves trying to locate elk. And that ended up being big miles in a lot of country. Hmm. So on the drive home, what did you like, oh, we should have done this differently or you know what I mean? What, what's kind of your constructive criticism of your, of your guys' how you approach the trip? Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things where I don't feel like we did everything perfect, obviously. And anytime you don't fill a tag, you're always questioning things. But at the same time, I was, I guess, proud of not only the effort we put in, but of the decisions we made. Um, again, going back to what I mentioned before, like if I, you know, last time I was in this unit, for example, 2016, if I would have been in that same situation as the first couple days, I would have been more persistent and maybe persistence is a good thing. But like the fact that we bailed on a plan that I was again, so optimistic on, like so optimistic on, and we bail on that within two days, like completely leave the country. Um, I think that was the right call. And you could say, yeah, like, we like a good example we left a bull right like we had an encounter in there so we're essentially leaving elk to go find elk which doesn't make sense but again it was able he wasn't fired up we weren't seeing more sign um there's like zero sign that he was with cows or anything else or that there was satellites or like it seemed like a lone bull so maybe that's a mistake right like we did leave able to go try and find more elk and then for the next two days ended up going oh crap there's no elk so who knows right like that's that's the part of the thing where you second guess yourself yeah but in the end based on the sign and all that i was i think we made the right decision so i feel like i feel like we were quicker to make decisions than in in prior years and i think that's just a matter of having more experience to fall back on and being able to judge country a bit better. Um, so, you know, I always have like my questions and my doubts and, and we didn't fill a tag, which, you know, makes me question and doubt a lot of things. But in the end, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I feel like we did most things right. And there's not necessarily a single thing that I regret or question or wish we would have done different other than, I wish we would have found, you know, <laughs> the spot sooner and been at Elk longer. Right. But yeah, yeah. 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 I think my, like my, um, my advice has somewhat been changed to guys coming out, out hunting and that, um, 
be prepared to be super, super mobile until you find, which sounds like you guys did, but maybe even, you know, you, you should hopefully ideally you could have got to that country a few days faster, you know, where like yeah. when you're in elk, you know, you're in elk, there's, yeah. there's sign everywhere. There's rubs, there's fresh, um, you know, piss that you're walking by and fresh poop. And, uh, you know, you can just kind of, you know, when you're in elk country and you, and you know, when it's, like, yeah, there's elk track here. There's, you know, I'm seeing a fresh track, but it's, it's more country that they just pass through and don't live in. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think my advice has definitely kind of changed a little bit in that just like, man, be, even if you're backpacking, be super, super mobile. Um, yeah. you know, don't do, don't spend, don't go into a country with the intent of, you did it right. You got three or four days of food and then go in there with like a 24 if we don't find elk within 24 hours we're out of here you know yeah. and if you do get into elk then you've got 4 days of food that you can stay back there so mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean that's what we were trying to do um like my pack weight was you know going in into the very first pack in it was like 28 pounds so it was like it felt totally comfortable yes, to hunt in light. right yeah. so um i didn't feel weighed down and it it got a little bit tricky because water was so tough that we, even for ourselves, which we've never had to do this, but we, we had to be much more careful about where we get, where are we going to end up tonight? Like we need to find water and always before that's never been an issue, but even for us, we had to be careful about that. And I know, you know, like going back to you hunting high country mule deer, like that's a concern, but man, the spots we've been in Colorado and, and elk hunting, that's never been a concern. So um, yeah, just all those additional factors, um, were things to think through, but I'm, I a hundred percent agree with what you said, like the, I, and we passed, you know, when we were running into hunters, whether it was, you know, where we parked the rig or whatever, so many guys were just loaded heavy. Um, and I'm not saying like, just because they didn't have like fancy lightweight gear, I'm just talking about the amount of stuff they had. Um, right. that they can't yeah. be super mobile and adaptable. Like, you know, they're maybe packing in four to five miles, but they're not going to have the energy to then bail on that, you know, cause they went in there with a 60 pound pack or whatever, or to move, you know, even across a drainage, right. With camp on their back. So it, it's a, makes a big, big difference. And for us, even especially being in this unit twice like we we felt like we had a pretty good grasp on things where we could put ourselves in a good position um but the conditions this year just said otherwise right um so even when you feel like you know country you still have to be ready to bail on just because this worked last year or a few years ago or the elk were here before doesn't mean it's going to work out exactly that way again so even when you feel confident and you have history, you still have to kind of hold that lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Steve, while I was out there running 60 plus miles around the mountains, you just, what you step out your back door and shoot an elk pretty much? Is that what happened? <laughs> you jerk. Uh, yeah, no, not quite, but similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had a archery tag that I was able to get and, um, Tyler, uh, my buddy Tyler Boschma that just did the sheep hunt with, he came over and met me and, and, um, he actually drew a rifle tag for this unit that starts in October. Um, and, uh, so it's a unit I've got some experience in, not a ton, but I've definitely hunted in there, but, and I know of a, I knew of a really good spot that we could go kill an elk. Um, you know, just, just lots of elk in there. It's pretty, um, not easy on foot. Typically it's kind of horse country, but I knew Tyler and I could do it. So that was our, that spot was plan B. And he had this, I said, he drew this rifle tag. So it's like, sweet, let's go. Uh, I'll pack a bow around. We'll hunt elk. And while I'm doing that, you're kind of using your eyeballs, glassing for some monster bull on the next ridge over, uh, to come back and shoot it with a rifle in October. So, uh, we went in and, and had, um, basically plan A picked out and has a couple different access spots. And so as I was driving in, the first access spot had three trucks at it. And I was like, oh man, that kind of stinks. But I was like, okay, I'll, we'll use that to our advantage. Uh, Cause I wasn't, I was just want to get there and look at, look at the country, look at the pressure, um, and then decide how we we're going to approach it. So I was like, well, great. There's three trucks basically at the top. We're going to drive all the way around to the bottom, come in from the bottom and approach it from there. And those guys have, if they've been, you know, uh, up there hunting, hopefully they've pushed some of the elk down to the bottom. Well, we get to the bottom and there was like 
trailers and camps and <laughs> everywhere. Uh, the And then the trailhead specifically at the bottom had like, I don't know, 16 or 17 trucks at it. Uh, and we're like, holy crap. You know, to me, this is, uh, I hadn't, I'd been in that area, but it's been 10 years. Um, uh, and I, back then there was like one or two vehicles, you know, so I, to see that amount of pressure, I just like, holy crap. So we immediately, I knew, uh, you know, I knew the country enough, like, especially just looking at Google earth and going like, okay, there is not enough country back here to support that many hunters. Right. And make it worthwhile for us to go in there. And it's kind of open country you know sagebrush open sides and and timber pockets and um so it's that even in country like that the pressure is even kind of magnified because the elk can see the hunters walking on the ridge across from them you know they tend to get they tend to shut down they tend to move out of the country um or if it's all timber pressure is you know it hurts but it's it's not as bad because the elk can't see everybody but um, yeah, so we immediately pulled the plug on that. It wasn't even worthwhile going in, and then and then went into my kind of Plan B spot, and um, yeah, basically left the truck at five o'clock, and it was a pretty good like um, the can the canyon that we basically I wanted to get up and over out of this drainage over the other side down into uh, the canyons on the backside, and it was about three miles in there, but thirty two hundred feet of elevation, um, and so we kind of walked uh probably half a mile into it climbed about 2,000 feet um and then just side hilled across this uh drainage to get into the back and, and just just hunting the whole way and, and it looked at the beginning it looked really good there was some water and some feed and you know we, we did set up and do some cold calls for about 10 minutes so I just like man there's an elk here and I, and I was on a flat out like on a mission for just killing some meat like I was really hoping a spike was going to come out and get some nice tasty back straps and uh knowing when when you come out we've got our mid-october rifle hunt that uh have the opportunity to to shoot a nicer bull um so yeah get in there and really took took our time kind of side hilling in there i, I knew we you know is at this point it's like six we got two hours of light left i knew if we just kind of there, there probably wasn't practical to physically hike all the way through it get up and over the ridge and and get to the side where I wanted that night, um, right. Or get up to the, even get to the top with glassing light left. So we just decided to kind of still not still hunt, but we just moved, uh, when it looked good, we called for 10 minutes. Um, you know, it was, uh, similar to you. It was super, super, super dry. There was no, um, the first little sh- avalanche shoot, we went up, had some water in it. And then once we started side hill and, um, I was joking, like, I think you could fart and start a, a forest fire out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, so just no feed and no water and it just wasn't looking good. And I think it's just all the recent smoke and stuff from the fires and the heat, everything just, just dried out to a crisp. Um, so yeah, we just side all the way through there and then got into the back little bowl uh, and had like a, you know, 1200 foot climb there. We basically did in the dark, got on top of the ridge and just throughout the baby sacks just kind of we're just flat out like on this bald ridge laying in a little chunk of sagebrush to block the wind and spent the night right there and um woke up in the morning uh did the last little half mile to like peek over the back side down the other side where I, you know, where I wanted to hunt and immediately saw three bulls um so there was one right below us about 400 yards one down middle of the canyon uh, and then one at the very bottom of the canyon, we're like, sweet, game on, let's go kill one of these. And uh, the only thing we didn't have in our favor was the wind, because um, a, a storm was coming in um, from the west, and so the wind wind is blowing west to east, and we were dropping down into the into a bowl into a little draw that was, you know, basically flowed uh, east. And uh, so we had the storm coming that way, but thermals were, you know, wanting to go down. But we knew at some point the, you know, the basically the thermals were going to be going to want to be coming up, and the winds coming out of the west. And so those two were going to kind of compete with each other. And we really didn't know how to approach it, but we definitely kind of had like uh, um, a bonsai mentality of, um, I, you know, for me, I was after any elk, um, and so it was like, I, there's elk in here. We'll just we'll get in here. We're just going to kind of go full send and, and, you know, be smart. Obviously we're not just going to hunt with the wind straight at our back, but we'll probably take risks that I wouldn't take 
otherwise, right? Um, like if I, w- I wasn't as invested, we were super light, super mobile. There was plenty more country to hunt. So even if we blew these elk up, wasn't going to be that big of a deal to us. Uh, but as we're dropping, so we finally kind of, we like, okay, we got to back down, drop around, circle into the, into this draw from kind of a different angle. Cause the, we definitely couldn't approach from the way the wind was blowing at that moment. Uh, we were basically at the top of it looking down. So we dropped down and then that's all of a sudden we see a horse camp and three dudes standing outside the camp. We're like, ah, oh, crap. Like these guys, I was hoping, you know, we knew there were some horse trailers on the other side, but I was hoping they hadn't rode up and over. It's like, oh, that's a bummer. Um, they've been in here hunting, but we still, we had seen those three bulls. I was like, well, we're just, you know, we're going to keep going. There's nothing we could do here. Um, so we drop in there and basically, uh, never saw an elk that first couple hours. We, we dropped in and, uh, the winds were just super kind of all over the place. And, uh, we, we got down below where we'd seen kind of went in between bowl two and bowl three, and then started working back up where the winds were still kind of coming down, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. And, um, just never saw or heard or anything, you know, it was kind of like, man, where did they go? Did we, did they win us? Did we just kind of miss them? Uh, it was super, um, like it was very, very quiet and dry. So, you know, just, it, it's almost where you want to be like walking around in socks, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, cause you just, you know, the elk here, you're coming from a long ways away. And, um, it's almost, it's like, you can't, I don't know. You couldn't move fast enough to like sound like elk moving, just, just kind of how the country laid out. And then didn't matter how slow you moved, you were making noise. So that, that was definitely working against us. And they, they were not talking at all. Um, we didn't hear him bugle that whole morning, but basically we, we just started working up, um, got up to where we had seen that the bull and the first in the morning, it was like close to us because it was only five, 600 yards below us. Um, and just nothing happened. And so we basically found a different route. Um, and we're like, all right, we're going to go all the way down to the bottom. And then basically where bull three was, um, we're going to circle all the way down to the bottom and then approach back into that one. Um, so that was kind of our midday plan and, uh, get all the way down there. It's probably two or three o'clock. We get down to the very bottom and then we run into another group of three hunters. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I've like, there's way too much pressure back here. And at that point we're like, man, we're, we know there's this one elk above us. Um, we'll hunt it, but basically like we're hiking out of here. Like I don't want the 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 country. Like I said, the country is too open to support that much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, where the elk, they know there's other hunters in there. Um, they're seeing them, they're winding them, and they just they, they shut up. They don't act how I want them to act, right? Um, and so like, all right, we're out of here. Uh, and and basically, well, we'll hunt that one bull on the way out, and then you know, at this point, we're six miles from the truck, and you know, a couple thousand feet up, 3,000 something feet back, back down, but we're like, well, we'll get there. We'll get back to the truck at midnight. We'll drive somewhere else and hunt the next day. Start hunting our way out. Um, got to where the, we knew the bull we had seen earlier was rough. You know, we had kind of like a 200 yard area, like he's in this timber patch, kind of approached it uh, again, very like the storm was coming in. So we just had terrible winds up, down, left, right. Um, we basically kind of got in, basically just trying to come in perfectly side hill. Uh, to where we thought he was and i um went in there and just you know it was literally like take five steps stop look up look down we didn't want to i wanted to locate him first i thought there was a decent chance that i could just without calling at all because of the pressure that had been in there i was worried of of calling and just having him just you know bug out of there so Mm -hmm. um it was very just like um didn't have great wind which didn't make me feel super confident but we had good uh, really good game trail that i was on so it's just literally like five steps look up look down hang out for you know a minute five minutes ten steps look around um and it was like on the fourth or fifth time doing this i'm like on step three and one little cow and calf are just like hiding behind a tree and and just bust me um and so they uh they, they bust out of there and, and the country's just kind of, you know, I'm side in it, but it's kind of rounded. Right. Um, so they don't have to run, but like 20 yards and they're out of sight. And so I basically, they take off and I'm like, okay, there's cow calf here. We know there's another bull. There's, I'm sure there's more elk. I'm just going to start running into here. Um, and basically hopefully like get into the middle of them. Right. Like, 
if the cow and calf kind of stir things up, the elk kind of get confused and they start kind of running around or just milling around, standing, like wondering what's going on. I thought I'd have an opportunity to get in there. And I run like, well, probably 150 yards. Just and, on that uh, game trail or do you hopped off uh, at this point? At this point yeah, the game trail kind of climbed up. So I was just like side home through this stuff. But it was pretty kind of just pine needle floor. Not a lot of cover, a little bit of brush that's like, you know, knee deep. But it's pretty open. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just never, I couldn't see any elk. I was just like, where the heck did they go? You know, so it, now I'm thinking like, well, maybe these cow and calf were alone and the bull we'd seen earlier had moved off. Um, didn't hear anything, nothing. And, uh, um, uh, I get in there and I'm just kind of like, just trying to figure out what's going on. Tyler hung back, you know, he's bugling and cow calling, just trying to create some commotion and confuse the elk further. And, um, man, nothing's like, I just couldn't figure it out. Like, where did they go? I didn't hear any crashing. Uh, I didn't see anything. didn't see any flashes of, you know, elk butt running through the woods. And I'm just standing there like crap. And then, uh, I look up. I hear a stick break and I look up and like 90 yards above me is two little raghorn bulls just staring down there at me. And I'm like, son of a, you know, like I was super critical of myself because it's like, you know, I might, I think my instinct to like run up into there was, was right. I think it was a good opportunity, but it was also risky. You know, if I had yeah. not done that, I think I could have killed one of those two raghorns because um, they had no idea what was going on. They would have been primed to, to sneak in there and just, you know, a couple soft cow calls and they would have come down and checked us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, I was pretty bummed that I was like, man, I messed that opportunity up. Uh, so it was even further like, okay, let's, there's pressure in here. There's our, there's elk in here, but we're, you know, like I said, we're walking away from them, um, just to get away from other hunting pressure. But we, we start moving up further, another six, 800 yards up the drainage here. One bull bugle. And we're like, sweet. You know, like that's the direction we're going. We'll just keep going after that one. And, uh, we got, uh, basically moved up probably, you know, it was one of those, you couldn't really tell how far it was. Sounded like anywhere from, you know, 200 yards to 500 yards. It's kind of open country. So the sound carries pretty well. Probably moved up 150, uh, found a good spot to set up or like Tyler was around a little rise. You know, I could, I had good shooting lanes. Um, and Tyler just started raking a tree and pretty, um, yeah, doing some soft cow calls and raking a tree. And then, about 45 seconds later, the bull just fires off, just brah, and he's totally, you know, just pissed off bull. And uh, he um, uh, uh, basically is like, sweet. And then the bull, but you could tell the bull wasn't coming in. You know, he was uh, he was up there a little ways, still probably another 200 yards away from us. And it's like I gave it just a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, he's not coming. Um, and it's like I jump back 50 yards, grab Tyler. We move up probably like 75. The bull fires off again, super pissed. And Tyler's like, run at him. And I'm like, all right. Uh, Because he thought, like, just that sound of a bull charging in is going to get that other bull fired up even more and get him to come in. And But Tyler's like, run at him. And we're literally, like, going across this avalanche chute that where logs are just piled up, like, six feet high. And, like, it wasn't the best place to start trying to, like, make noise and run an elk. And about halfway through the pile, I just full on, like, jump on a stick it breaks and just face plant into the uh, <laughs> <laughs> freaking pile dude it hurts uh, so bad um but you know it's like bulls freaking bugling so i just jump up and tyler grabs my bow for me i pull myself out of the tangled mess of avalanche <laughs> downfall and we keep running up um and i think i think the noise of me falling was not something normal and so the, the, then the bull basically just shut up like we moved up another hundred yards tried calling and the bull just shut up. Tyler came up the hill, you know, 10, 15 minutes later. And it's kind of like one of those instinct moments like, okay, there's elk up there. Let's just sit down. Let's give this, like, let's just shut up. Let's just give this, like, 30 minutes to calm back down uh, and try to, you know, approach this from a different angle. And we're sitting down, and about 10 minutes into it, we glass across the hillside from us, and a little uh, raghorn bull pops out uh, out of this timber patch. And, and he's, you could tell he's been, like, tired like his tongue hanging out you know and it's like oh man i wonder like we must have spooked that bull or something uh and then not 30 yards behind it comes like a 320 330 bull same thing just comes out of the timber and no cows with him just this big big bull and this little raghorn both of them tongues hanging out and we're like son of a gun that must have been the the bull um he was just up here bugling with no cows or anything like that uh, which was just odd. Like that, that's a big enough bowl. You, you know, it's just confusing. Why doesn't he have cows with him? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he basically like, we watched him run and then there's, there's two hunters on the ridge above him, not like 
a hundred yards above them. They were up there on the hillside taking a nap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these two bulls just went right underneath <laughs> them. You know, because ordinary, like obviously, we'd see that bull, we're like, oh, let's let's figure out, let's let him go run over somewhere, and let's go approach him, yeah, try to kill it. Uh, but they literally ran underneath hunters. I'm like, well, okay. Um, so it's like even further, like, yeah, like all right, we're we're still heading out of here. And so at that point, we had, um, this is a lesson that I think I've learned. We had option easy option A to get out of the country or hard option B to get out of the country. A, I knew we weren't going to kill an elk. There was no chance. Um, or option B, it's like harder pack out of there. It means we're going to get out like in the middle of the night, you know, midnight. But at least we got a chance to kill an elk the next few hours. And so instead of earlier on and, you know, when I was 25, I would have just like, ah, screw it. I'm done with this country. Let's get out of here. I was like, no, let's. Let's be smart. We'll take the harder option. It's a harder hike out of here, but there's a chance to kill elk this evening. And sure enough, man, about two hours later, we're humping out of there. So the couple thousand foot climb and um, uh, look up on the hillside and there's uh, a bull and nine cows. And uh, it's completely like we're in a little timber patch. There's a big open sagebrush hillside and they're on the edge of the timber patch kind of above us, probably 300 yards. Uh, and then we're, we're kind of like, we're just moving through the timber. We know there's nothing we could do. We're not going to call them across. Mm-hmm. Um, the winds were good. They were in our favor. Um, and uh, we're just like, well, let's just work up to the edge of the timber and watch and see what they do. And, you know, maybe they give us an opportunity. And uh, um, but the, as we're doing that, another, like, I'm kind of like, you know, we're just getting glimpses of the elk. Like, we're, we're tucked into the timber so they can't see us. But every once in a while, you get a little patch you can see through. And I see another bull show up. I'm like, crap, there's two bulls up there. And what had happened is this other bull had come up and basically ran into the herd bull and his nine cows. And then the herd bull had pushed his cows out into this open sagebrush flat. So we get right up to the edge of the timber and, and we got nine cows in this, this bull just sitting out there. They're literally 150 yards away from me. Uh, just wide open sagebrush, pretty steep uphill, probably 30 degree slope. And, uh, we're just hanging out and it's like, well, there's, there's literally nothing we can do, but just wait. We've got good wind. The storm's kind of coming in. So it's like strong wind. Um, and for the most part, it's like pushing down. Uh, so we felt good. And it was like, I don't know, 45 minutes of just hanging out, waiting, waiting, waiting. And I, I if they had, they just got into this flat and if they kept feeding right to left, they were going to go behind like this little clump of pine trees to where I could like literally just. I had to, I had to go through about 50 yards. Where I was going to be completely exposed. Um, but I was hoping if they got behind those trees, I could just do that really, really fast and then get up. I'd, I'd like drop into this little kind of ravine thing that was like 30 feet deep and climb out of it up this side. But once I did, they were going to be in bow range. Uh, and it just took forever. They, they just kind of, they, they'd feed to the left and then they'd feed back to the right. And the, and the cows are on kind of high alert. There's always one or two with their nose up in the air looking around. And, um, Finally, uh, I went back to Tyler. I was like, man, I, just, I don't know how this is going to work out. And then this was like a good, good hunting partner, you know, like kind of gave me a different perspective. He's like, well, man, just, just drop your pack here. Um, get super light. He's like, I'll stay back here with your pack. And then, and then just start, like, it's starting to get dark enough to where it wasn't great light. And he's like, just move one, one step at a time when all the eyes are looking away from you. And I said, I'm trying to keep track of 10 sets of eyeballs, 150 yards up the hill from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I start, I kind of get up to the edge and I basically had like a good, like literally all the cow's heads were down feeding and the bull was looking uphill and I scoot, like I get like 10 feet and then, uh, and then I had to wait for like five minutes and then I get another five feet and have to wait. And then finally, they actually all perfectly aligned where they went behind this pine tree. It was like a miracle. Um, and I literally just like I'd scoot like 20 yards and I got down in a little ravine. Um, and then the, at this point, the, thank goodness the winds were strong because it's just dry grass and dry leaves and um, just scurry up the ravine like 50 yards. And I get up there and poke my head up and they're about uh, they, had, they were slowly feeding up the hill from me. So about 80 yards away and uh, um Basically, it was just spot and stock at this point, right? Or just stock. Um, and so I was just army crawling uh, up the hillside with the sagebrush, just, you know, reach the bow up, move it three feet, scoot up, and just kind of zig and zag my way up through the sagebrush and finally get up. Um, they just kept feeding up. And, um, you know, I can't, it's only so much I could do. I had very, very little cover. So I'm 
trying to stay as low as possible, peek my head up just to make sure like all the eyes aren't looking my way and just slowly work myself up. And it took about 30 minutes and, uh, eventually got to the point where the cows were standing there at 65 yards and, uh, the winds were blowing strong. I was like, you know, I just like, okay, if the bull steps out and I get a good break in the wind, I can make this shot. And, um, it eventually happened to heat. The bull stood out there at 65 yards and, um, uh, I, I drew back gusts were blowing held for like 30 seconds didn't get a break in the gust had to let down repeated that again um but luckily the bull he was just perfectly like broadside maybe just tightly slightly slightly quartered away which is perfect for a longer shot like that gives you more left and right you know and uh so on the third attempt of drawn back i finally got a really nice break in the wind squeezed off the trigger and bull just freaking dropped uh like shot him fell on the fell on his back and i was like uh you know when i see that i was like oh, i hit him in the freaking spine um so i was kind of confused uh, exactly how it went down but he dropped and then after like 30 seconds he got up and his back legs were like he couldn't use them and he's just using his front legs and kind of kicked himself down the hill and he's kicked straight at me and he came to 30 yards uh, and i put one right into his just basically a frontal shot at 30 yards put one in the chest there um and then yeah he was dead like 30 seconds later Wow. So high five, high five him with Tyler, and you know he comes up to me, brings my pack up, and and we get up there. And uh, what was crazy is uh, he was he was he laid on the opposite side of where I, my first shot was, so I didn't know where I'd hit. Um, but once we took off the back straps and quarters and got the one side done, we flipped him over, and my shot was absolute dead nuts perfect uh, height. Like I, it was maybe one inch right of where I wanted perfect height, but it was steep enough angle that it just it actually just went in mid body. And but then came stuck up. the, the broad stuck right into the base of the spine, and that's what wow. kind of but had one lunged him and hit the spine on that first shot, and he piled up, and um, yeah, like that was it, man. We we cut him up that night, hung him in a tree, had to go hike like half a mile just to find a, a that storm was coming, so we needed to pitch the tent that night, and stayed in the tent, woke up the next day, and just did two trips out of there. It was, uh, I think it took about seven eight hours to to do basically. We uh, left the bone on uh, since we knew we were doing two trips anyways. I'd like to preserve as much meat as possible versus boning out. So left the bone on, did a, one trip out, took like a 15-minute break, hiked right back in there, threw on the 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 rest of the meat, and uh, and then hiked out. And we are out by like yeah, 3, 30, 4 o'clock, something like that. So Dude. That's the story. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Took, um, yeah, so I got some elk meat, ended up eating some back straps that uh, just Sunday night. It was perfect. So Yeah. That's a fun way to go down, like stalking in like that, and the whole get the whole army crawl experience. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's fun, huh? So yeah, that's a ton of fun. Well, cool. I know we're uh, we're running out of time here. We got to yeah. get to some work, but uh, hope you guys enjoyed that or learned something from it. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, we'd love to hear how your season is going or uh, will go. If you want to reach out send us some photos or stories or anything like that. We'd love to hear from you guys. So just, you can email podcast at exomountgear.com. Uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. You know, the schedule this time of year is a little bit crazy with releases, but we'll definitely uh, keep some things going. and got some great things in the works. So appreciate you tuning in and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.